You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. take a look at Romans 11 today. If you want to open your Bible, turn there, that would be great. And I need someone to read Romans 11, Romans 11, 11 to 24. Actually, you know, it's a lot of reading. I'll do it for you. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I'm speaking to you, Gentiles, inasmuch that I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Now he's going to continue with this root and branch direction here. This is where we're going to kind of dwell out today. If some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in nourishing root of the olive tree, Do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember, uh, if you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. No, then the kindness and severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from that which by nature is a wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, How much more will these and the natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? All right, Paul camps out on this analogy, and I know we're also like right in the middle of a passage, so it becomes complicated to like, A, what is he talking about, and B, uh, where was he going with all this? So uh, a reminder, one of the big themes of Romans is he's trying to explain to these Romans how it is that the rest of the nations, the Gentiles, people outside of the Jewish, Israel, culture, nation, and faith, how it is that all of them can now come into the faith. And why it is that they don't need to uh, practice all the same things that the Jews do in order to come into the faith. And so Paul puts together this grand analogy. It's actually a very cool and uh, poignant analogy. Um, so I go to a place called the Fusores Chapter House. It's here in Jackson, and it is a beautiful place. Uh, Pastor David McDonald from uh, Westwinds 
Um, he's built this chapter house to serve pastors, to bring them together from across the world, um, to come together, study the Bible together, study ministry together, uh, study culture together, to figure out how we can continue to serve the areas that we minister in. Um, David actually has loved this so much uh, that he just announced last week that he would be stepping down from West Winds so that he can do this full time. Uh, and one of the He's got all different kinds of things around the house to help us pastors remember like what the Bible is communicating to us, you know, little symbols to dwell on. And one of those symbols is right outside in the front yard. It's a mini paired tree. <laughs> uh, I think it, if I remember right, I think it grows like seven different kinds of pears. Not just one, but a whole bunch of different fruit. I know we're urban Jacksonites, except for some Pennsylvanians among us uh, who might be more familiar with nature. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you guys are from, right, this is Michigan and Pennsylvania right here today. And Bulgaria. No? Oh, okay. Um, but in agriculture, if you're unfamiliar with it, you can actually cut branches off of random fruit trees. Well, not random. There is a little bit of matchingness to it. But you can then graft them onto another tree. And then that one tree will grow both kinds of fruits. That branch that you've put on it continues to grow whatever it grew. So uh, I think one of the craziest stories I've heard is there's a guy who's done this as like an art project, uh, creating this mini faceted tree. And I think he's gotten up to 40 different kinds of fruits on one tree. So just imagine apples and lemons and oranges and all these different kinds of fruits all growing in one spot and all the leaves growing differently and sprouting off, creating this like crazy different kind of all different kind of colored tree. Casey's shaking his head like it's not possible. Am I breaking science? No, it's just trying to imagine that. I've never imagined anything like that. So it's just... Yeah, it's hard to imagine. Uh, no, I, from what I understand, they still taste exactly like they would because I guess I don't know the science behind it, but whatever's in the branch is what's continuing to to create it. But the the roots of the tree, the the um, trunk and all that, that's what's continuing to give life to everything else that's on it. And that's what Paul takes as an analogy for the church is to say, okay, Israel, the Jewish people they were God's chosen people they're the trunk if you will but now what he's done is he's gone on to graft in the Americans graft in the Romans graft in the Germans the Africans the Bulgarians the Pennsylvanians who are their own thing I guess uh, the Canadians you know, he's taking all of these different places uh, all these different nations and grafting them all into one so Here's a picture that he draws for us, though, and I think this is important for American thinking. The tree is one tree, right? The tree is now molded itself together into one unit. It is all one tree, this Frankenstein <laughs> combination of a tree. But at the same time, it's different. And what's important to recognize is that the orange branch, just because it's been grafted onto an apple tree, the orange branch doesn't just start, well, I'm going to make apples now instead. 
nor does it, well, I'm going to make oranges that taste more apple or anything like that. It continues to be an orange, though it's grafted on to an apple tree. And I, I don't know if apples and oranges are the uh, uh, one of the mixtures, so go ahead and go home and Google it. <laughs> uh, but the ones that can all belong in, in this tree would all be grafted onto to this one tree. I think what we often do in American Christianity is we try to create an undiverse form of church uh, where rather than be a multicultural church, usually what we do is a church puts on a service that overall feels overtly white and expects black people or Latino people or German people or, you know, go down the list to give up their own culture, their own uh, enjoyments and their own loves and ways of expressing their uh, desire for God, give all that up and just become white, right? Likewise, a, a black church might have a, uh, their own way of expressing um, their culture and praise to God. And you as a white person or a Latino person or a German person, if you went to church, you might be expected to give up that which you in your own white culture uh, may enjoy for the sake of joining a black church. Like, you see the illustration I'm going with. Nobody usually goes for a, let's find a way to express all the multiculturalness of, of everything we are as a whole tree. Instead, it's the oranges saying, eh, I need the rest of you to become apples. Or, eh, if you want to come here, we want to be multicultural, all you other branches, but really you're just going to have to try really hard to be an orange today because that's just what we go for around here, you know. Uh, rather than become the multicultural church of God, we expect others to give in to one culture uh, and not not uh, be who they are in their, their own walks of life and enjoyments. Um, 1208 often tends to be multicultural, maybe not so much at this very moment, but in general it, it's throughout the years taken on a multicultural uh, form. But let's be honest, much of the songs we sing, uh, much of the ways I preach, things like that, they tend to be rather white. And it would take discipline to find a more multicultural expression of who we are as 1208 to, to actually match the body that attends, right? Uh, that's important to recognize even in, in missions. When you think about it, um, oftentimes we'll send people overseas to do mission work. And they'll end up just trying to convert the culture that they're reaching to a westernized American form of Christianity. Maybe you can think of it this way. I, I've, I've seen some other cultures where I've met pastors in other areas and I can tell they've been evangelized to by American Christians. <laughs> because when I look at the way they do church, it doesn't match their setting. When I look at the clothes they're wearing, I'm like... What white guy taught you to wear those? Like, that, that just doesn't match your setting at all. Like, and when I see the way that they talk and act, I can see them trying to be someone else rather than who they are. And that's not what Paul's doing. Paul's going from place to place, raising up people of different cultures to become leaders in those places and to lead the church in the cultural way in, in which that particular culture is. 
Paul was not going out to make a Jewish church. Paul was not going out to make a white church, a black church, anything like that. When he goes to Macedonia, he's probably looking to create leaders to raise up a Macedonian church. Now, that can go on to be multicultural in all the different kinds of people who attend that church, but he's looking to raise up leaders there. Me and Aisha uh, went to annual conference just last week, and it was great to hear even the bishop from the stage, uh, our first female bishop, which is amazing. I celebrate that. Linda Adams, she got up on stage and talked about as we go and do evangelism in other countries, what we're working really hard on right now is not sending missionaries to just go there and lead churches because then we just end up making American churches in China and Africa and Mozambique and all these things. Instead, we're sending missionaries to raise up leaders to then lead their own churches that reflect the cultural uh, norms of those spaces because the church is a multicultural bride. And that's one of the things that drives me nuts with the American church and this Trumpist ideology that's still going on. I just saw a video today from a Trump rally five days ago. Like, it's still just aiming for this like white American nationalistic savior complex of Christianity that is not biblical and does not reflect in any way, shape, or form the multicultural beauty of the ethnic bride of Christ. That's what Paul was raising up. And Paul actually had very strong words about it. Why do you think Paul cared so much about circumcision? Like he was, he was super adamant about people not getting circumcised uh, to become Christian. Like to the Romans, he calms himself down and talks kind of more theological. Like, all right, guys, here's why you don't have to circumcise. But go to Galatians. He's like... You still have people over there circumcising people? He goes so far as to say, I wish those people who were forcing people to be circumcised, I just wish they were castrated, which is <laughs> pretty intense language. Like, get your knives out. You're going to cut off those things for other people? Or you cut off the rest of yourselves. <laughs> Paul's, Paul's ticked at this idea that they're circumcising people. There's another place where Paul's like, look, as far as being a good Jew goes, like, I'm the best. <laughs> I was circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, I think it was, and he just keeps going through the list of what makes him all great. And then he goes on to stop in Philippians 3, and he says, you know what, I consider all of that, that circumcision and all these things that I've done to be the perfect Jew, it's all, your Bible's going to say, rubbish. But the actual Greek word there is more vulgar than that. I don't know that we'd go as far as like, I think we could go as far as saying it's all crap is actually what your Bible translation should say. I don't think we need to say the S word, but uh, <laughs> the message probably does. Uh, but, but Paul goes to that length. It's like, what do I think of circumcision? What do I think of all these perfect ways of being a Jew and, and all that in comparison to what God's calling us to? It's all a bunch of crap, <laughs> which is pretty intense. Like that's how Paul feels about all of his Jewish brethren trying to force all these non-Jewish people to get circumcised. Why do you think that is? And I think there's multiple right answers to this, but anybody got any ideas? Why does Paul care so much about the fact that his Jewish brothers and sisters are still trying to circumcise everyone who's not Jewish, who's becoming Christian? 
I mean, it's a perversion of the gospel. Right? In what the way? Yeah. About grace, and they're trying to add works onto it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's grace. You're saved by grace, not by a circumcision, which Paul then theologically reroutes in Romans. We already preached on this chapter. is like real circumcision, which is just a mark that you are a part of God. Real circumcision is it's in your heart. It's like a spiritual matter. Like, are you, are you circumcised right here? Do you bear the mark of God, not on your genitals? So yeah, it's a perversion of the gospel. What else? Yeah, and piggybacking off of that, that's where more of the perversion of the gospel goes. Paul has recognized that God is out to save all the nations, not just the Jews. And when Paul looks at what his Jewish brothers and sisters are doing and how they're circumcising the nations, he gets ticked because it's a perversion of the gospel. You're trying to turn non-Jewish people into Jewish people. What God is doing is turning all the nations into the fullness of Israel. He's not trying to make them Jewish. He is trying to take their cultures, them as people, their races, their languages. He's trying to take the entirety of who they are and graft them in to the tree. It might be a Jewish root to the tree, but the branches are still oranges, are still apples, still cherries, are still peaches, still plums, still, I'm running out of fruits. <laughs> but this whole tree, like the apple tree does not need to become Jewish to be blended into the trunk. It needs to remain itself. Isn't that what we see at the end of the Bible? People don't always realize this, but if we went to Revelation 21, uh, Revelation 21, uh, I think it's 22. You want to read it? 22 to the end of that chapter, one paragraph. Yeah, in, in the resurrection, the nations still exist. You have God filling the entire planet, and you have kind of this temple area that's like especially, like we think of this as like God's especially present here, but the whole planet at this point has his entire presence. But the nations still exist. God did not take 
all the nations of the world and say, okay, you're no longer Caucasian, you're no longer African, you're no longer Canadian, none of that. Instead, what you see is the beauty of every nation, every tribe, every tongue being redeemed. They all fall into one kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. They all fall under one king, King Jesus, but they keep their identities as who they are as nationalities and as people. And all the nations come to celebrate God. I mean, that's going to be the most beautiful song we've ever heard. Revelation talks about, like, this one song that rises up among the resurrected people. Can you imagine it already? I mean, I'm going to be there with an electric guitar. So, like, if you hate it, get ready, because I'm going to mess with your head. But, like, the, like just imagine every genre of music, every language being sung the angels singing with their own genres. I don't even know what that sounds like yet, but they join in too. Like, just imagine every person, every angelic being made in the image of God all coming together, singing the most multicultural, unnationalistic, crazy song of crazy genres mixed together in the most beautiful form you've ever heard. I mean, the closest thing I think I could imagine of it is when I hear people singing in tongues uh, in, in some churches where that's more common and everybody in the room is singing their own song in a different tongue all at the same time. It's some of the most beautiful music you've ever heard. It's all interweaving with itself, making this new song that you don't even know what anyone's saying, but it, that's the beauty right there, even in tongues. like That's a reminder to us that God is here for all the nations. That's why the gift of tongues was given. It was a sign. Okay, now go out into all the world and bring all the nations in. God did not say, Jesus did not say in the Great Commission, I'm sending you out, go into all the world and make Jewish people. <laughs> it's not what he said. Go into all the world, baptizing them. He wants people of every nation, every tribe, every tongue to remain what they are, not to become Jewish, but to join the Israelic family where the blessing of God is. And that's something that we struggle with, I think, as white, powerful, evangelical Americans. We've spent a lot of time wanting to make everyone like us. Even just think of democracy, the nations that we take over to say, hey, you're doing it wrong, so now you have to do it our way. That's like the way we do evangelism. Hey, we want you to join Jesus. Now go buy a suit and tie. Uh, gonna have to stop living here. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you're gonna have to preach the way that I do, trust the way that I do, follow the same demeanor that I do, learn the language that I do, all that. That's not what Paul was out for. That's a load of crap, to use Paul's words. Let people be who they are. Bring them to Jesus. In Acts, um, when all the Christians realize that the Holy Spirit keeps <laughs> the Holy Spirit keeps saving all these Gentiles, all these people of other nations, when they realize like this has happened a lot of times, we think the Holy Spirit is telling us something. They get together all the elders and they say. What do we do? <laughs> like, everyone's joining the family of God now. Like, what's our plan? Like, this is messy. I, I, these people, they're, you know, of all these different cultures, 
They don't eat the things that we eat. They're not circumcised. They're breaking all of the laws. What do we do? They come to a conclusion. Does anyone know this passage? 613 laws in their Jewish culture. Could be a lot more. People count them differently. But generally, over 600 laws that they could put on all these nations coming to them. And they pretty much settle for like somewhere between three and five. They pray about it. They talk about it. And they come to this conclusion. It seemed good to the Spirit and also to us (laughs) that you refrain from these things. Sexual immorality, uh, eating meat sacrificed to idols, and uh, a few more that escape me at the moment. They just narrow the whole thing down. They don't even put the Jewish culture of the law on all these nations. They're just like, if you want to live like a God follower, you know, you're going to have to follow our sexual morality and uh, don't worship other gods, you know, sacrifice meat and things like that. Just these few basics at the very least. You need to integrate that into your culture because these are non-negotiables. It seems good to the spirit and also to us that you follow these these rules. That's a pretty impressive change. (laughs) But what they're realizing is, you know what? We as Jewish people, we can still follow our culture. This is the way that God's made our nation. We practice circumcision in this way. We we eat these particular foods, uh, kosher foods. We stay away from these things. We can continue to be Jewish people and be a part of the family of God, but all these nations that are coming in, we cannot make them practice these same things that we do. We just need to tell them the few non-negotiables and let God work out in their culture the things that he needs to work out. And that's sometimes hard. Remember when Greg Boyd, uh, one of my favorite uh, theologians, when he was at uh, Spring Arbor University a few years ago, he told a story about how these missionaries were ministering to a particular village that practiced female circumcision, which is very dangerous, very painful. It's essentially mutilation. And there was no reason to do it. And these people of this tribe, they all got saved. But the missionaries knew that this thing for them was very tough that they weren't going to give it up so they prayed about it they prayed about it and in the meantime they decided to come alongside of them and say we've got the proper drugs and the proper equipment that if you're going to keep doing this uh we're going to help you do this safely if you ever come to these points in your life where you have to make with someone else like i know they're not going to come out of this addiction so i've got to help them this is I helped found Jackson harm reduction here in Jackson. That's what that is. We know that you're going to keep using heroin. We don't want you to die. We're going to come alongside you to help you do it safely, but we're going to pray for you, or at least I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) We're going to come alongside you, pray for you, and try to lead you to recovery. That's what these people did. You shouldn't be doing this. God doesn't want you to do this. We're going to come alongside you and help you do it safely. And over many years... The people who practice this, as they're following Jesus, they come to this conclusion, like, why are we doing this? Like, why is this, this is just a cultural thing we've done that does not belong. We, we shouldn't be doing this. So they got rid of it. If that's God coming into their culture and the things that they didn't realize were bad, him convicting them over time. That's, 
It's what we call progressive revelation in the church. You see that all throughout the Bible. People used to practice polygamy, and then God showed them over time, yeah, no, that's not what we do. <laughs> in fact, that was clear from the beginning. You guys just created a new culture and then had to be brought out of it again. Uh, slavery, that was commonplace throughout all of history. And we know through progressive revelation, actually this is wrong. We should not be doing this. And if we look back to the Garden of Eden, you don't have slavery. You have peace, you know. Uh, Garden of Eden becomes Jesus' like, focal point for ethics. If you're asking a question about what life was like or what life should be like, how did God set up order in the beginning? Turn back to that. And every culture has a lot of tweaking they have to do to learn how do I get to the Garden of Eden in my culture. That takes time. It takes energy. And it takes wisdom on our behalf. But turning people into white people or black people or German people or Canadian people, that is not the gospel. That is a perversion. Letting people be the apples, lemons, oranges that they are and then instructing them as to what discipleship looks like as they bring that into their culture, that's the focus. All right, any questions or thoughts before I wrap up? Three, two, one. Uh, there's a great series in the podcast for the Bible Project called The Family of God. I'm drawing a lot off of that today. Uh, I would suggest you listen to that series if you want to learn more what that's like. They start in Genesis. They get to Revelation over the series of like 10 episodes. Um, but we often focus on what's different, uh, and then we point fingers at that. Is that not the very beginning of the Bible? They realized they were naked. You're different from me. I just noticed that. Barrier goes up. Differences are always there, and we can celebrate those in many ways, and we can also uh, learn like what differences need to change, but uh, sometimes that comes through God's revelation as we give the basics. It seemed good to the Spirit and also to us. <laughs> Let's pray. God, we thank you for your ethnic bride, and we thank you that we are just pieces of her. Uh, some of us are a thumb, some of us a toe, some of us a kneecap. Uh, we make up different parts of the uh, multifaceted, multi-ethnic bride of Christ. Bringing your word into the nations is a struggle sometimes. We still like to point the finger and say, you're different. But you made us in our differences. Even the blessing that you put on Israel right at the very beginning of Genesis, you already gave it away to other nations. When Abraham had a child named Ishmael, who was half Egyptian and half Hebrew, he went ahead and blessed him. When Joseph had a, two children who were half Hebrew, half Egyptian, you blessed them. That was your blessing from the very beginning. You told Abraham, I am blessing you so that you will be a blessing to all nations. And that descendant that we know as Jesus Christ, he came and became that blessing. So teach us how to live in harmony with one another now 
with Christians across the globe. Teach us to see one another in the light uh, that we are, brothers and sisters, not as people who are different. Teach us to celebrate the cultural differences that we have. So that we might be more like you. So that we might take joy in the same mission uh, that you take joy in. And teach us where our minds have converted themselves to crap. So that we might leave those particular thoughts, uh, be it racism or um, reservations about someone's differences. Teach us what of that is just crap so that we can remove it from our thinking. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. As always, you're dismissed from this building, but not from the mission of Christ. Go and bring heaven to Jackson. Love you. See you.